and welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast episode number 51. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks very much and please leave a nice review if you can. And the same if you've downloaded on iTunes or Spotify. I'm Steve Lillis and with me as usual, um, he's been here every episode with me. I think he's done one or two more episodes than me because he carried it a couple of weeks when I was AWOL somewhere. Uh, it's John Evans. You okay, John? I am, Steve. I carry it every week. Yeah, I know you do. You're, you're the <laughs> man. You know, you, you, are, you, are, you are hardcore. You are, mate. mate making all that way from Chatterton to, to the O2 on Saturday night. That, that, that shows your dedication to duty, mate. Um, fair play to you for doing that. And I hope you had a good night there anyway. Yeah. Do you know what? It was what it was, wasn't it? Uh, I think yeah. that's the best way you can put it. It's a... The boxing cliche is what it is, but that's that's what it was. If you like Johnny Fisher and you like Alan Babbitt, you'll have gone home and had a great night. And with you, one of your mates from Saturday night, one of Britain's top boxing journalists, I was really delighted last week. And I just mentioned it off air when I saw his name back in the Times again. Because that's what, you know, he belongs to have his name in, in these papers, often regular, and he should be covering every big fight. Uh, I'm not just saying that because he's a mate of mine, uh, but he really is one of the very best out there. Ron Lewis, how are you, Ron? I'm very good, very good. And it was great really, to see really your good. name in the Times last week, mate, yet again. And long may it continue. Long may it continue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did, did you enjoy Saturday night or did you enjoy John Evans' company more than the <laughs> fights? I enjoyed John Evans' company. It's always nice, you know, especially when you get there. You know, it's like when you get to shows at, I don't know, 4.45 or something like that. <laughs> and, and you know, you have someone have a good nap with at ringside because, um, you know, sometimes sometimes you, you get worried sometimes that you get, you get ringside and you see all these people who seem to be about 15 and you're thinking, oh, I don't remember anyone anymore because everyone I know usually turns up at like 8 o'clock. You know what? Uh, <laughs> a, a good chat with John on Saturday and a good chat with, uh, I could sit down and chat with Buncey actually who haven't a proper sit there because he's always, you know, running around everywhere doing things. So it was a good night. You know what? We said something there, Ron, and all the years I've known you since the early 90s covering fights, one thing I'll always say for you, and I can say this for myself, and I know I can say this for John, you've never been a journalist who's turned up at 8 o'clock at night before the main event in Vegas or ringside in this country. <laughs> That's one thing no one can ever accuse you of. You're, you're usually there very, very early, aren't you? Well, you know, why not? What else are you going to do? It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, there's boxing will be watched, you know, you watch your boxing, don't you? That's uh, and again, that's the only way. It's it's what you try and get across to people. It's it's like, you know, people sometimes ask you as a young journalist, what's the most important thing to do? And I would say the most important thing is to listen. Yeah. And the second most important thing is to watch a lot of boxing. Because, you know, you whether it's going to amateur shows, watching the worlds that are on at the moment, you know, in, in Belgrade. That is where you're going to get your knowledge from. And it's by listening to people and doing that. It's not It's not by having a massive opinion because you, you sort of earn the right to have, have a bit of an opinion. And, you know, you're better off just listening to people and learning, you know, getting your knowledge from other people. And also, as I say, watch a lot of boxing. That's, watching that's, that. It's, and that means turning up at five o'clock to watch the undercard fighters because the undercard fighters are today are the main events are tomorrow and the amateur stars of today are the undercard fighters of tomorrow who will be the, you know, further down the road. And you you being there at five o'clock, um, you get to know these younger fighters, they get to know your face and hence the relationship 
for later in life when they're fighting in big, big type for big titles, and some of them even abroad with you, and you've been Absolutely. there since day one. Yeah, yeah, you know, a bit like Luke Campbell when you're watching him in 2008 or 2007 or something like that. You know, and Joshua, I was out in Baku with him at the World Champs. Was you? I didn't know you was there. 2011, were you yeah. there when he got his silver? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was chatting to him in the air. It's the one thing I'm a terrible one for. I always hate doing selfies. I'll never do it. It's that natural <laughs> thing as a journalist. You think you don't go and ask for autographs. I think I've only had two things ever like signed. I Joe signed a poster out when he fought in Vegas, and I got him to put a joke on it. And um, I had um, Joe Kawasaki, and I had, um, but generally I don't. And I remember he sat in the airport, and I sat with Luke and Luke. And- and Joshua were only clean to leave Baku Airport, which I'm sure is now very nice. But you know, back in 2011, it was a bit, um, you know, yeah. run of the mill as an airport. And I was thinking, you know, I should have a selfie. These two people just got silver medal at the world champs. I should do that. And I never did. And of course, you know, 12 months later, they're both Olympic champions. The rest so, is it history. To, it seems to be the thing to do these days, doesn't it, at ringside for, for the. God, I, I can call them the, the youngsters these days. They pose for photographs with everybody, don't they? You know, we don't watch a lot of the fights. We don't make any notes. We don't seem to take much notice. We go and get the photographs and then record the but, press conference. You know so what? changed from when I started doing We are saying like old men now. Oh, no, we are old men before God <laughs> isn't. Um, but before we kick on, the one that does me, and Buncey backed me up on this, it's been my bugbear for years. And when people have a selfie with boxers, they've never had a fight in their life. And they take a boxing pose or do that. That's mine. Anyway, we're going to. If, if you were getting your, if you were getting your photographed up with Tiger Woods, you wouldn't pose mid backswing. Well, hey, my <laughs> one always say if you if you ask David Beckham for a, a picture, you wouldn't pretend you were taking a right a, a corner or a right <laughs> a right footed free kick and hitting it in the top bin at Old Trafford like he did against yeah. Greece in two thousand and one when that mad qualified that was the anniversary of recently. But what we'll do, we better crack on. Um, as again, thanks again for coming on, Ron. Um, you were a great guest no last time. I'm sure you will be again. You know how it works. Three minutes each topic. At the end of three minutes, John rings his bell. And John, have you got your stopwatch ready? Because yeah, we're ready to go. Ron's going to have a chat about fans um, for round one. Away you go, Ron. It's not really a thing about fans. Uh, it's the thing about um, uh, partisan sides people draw on, especially on social media. It's people who, who call themselves boxing fans who don't seem to want to watch fights. You've seen a lot of it recently. So, you know, people getting in sides like, say, going back Mayweather and Pacquiao. And now you get it with Fury and Joshua. And, and you get a lot of people after the fight the other day. We don't want to see Fury v Joshua now. We don't want to see it. We know what's going to happen. That's a foregone conclusion. And I think. Who, does, who doesn't want to see that? It's a great Fury box again. Would you rather not watch Fury fight Dillian White? Fury and Dillian White's a good fight. That's a good fight. Totally different style. And who doesn't want to watch Fury v Usyk or something like that? There are great fights out there, but people seem to think, oh, no, they'd rather, like, declare at that and let's not watch boxing anymore. Let's not watch high-class heavyweight boxing. What we have now is Fury is elevated the division to a very good level now and all the others are essentially contenders but there are some good fights out there there are some good fights out there even even you know you got people like joe joyce coming through and that sort of thing and and these could all be in big exciting fights that will really push boxing forward but some people seem to think oh no we don't want that now because because joshua was beaten by Usyk, and 
you know, I mean, someone very nicely the other day actually put on Twitter a, a thing I'd actually done from 2011 saying Usyk could really be a big heavyweight star. And that was uh, 10 years ago. And it was very nice for him to find that and stick that up. But that wasn't a shock. I mean, it was a shock, obviously, that Joshua lost because because he was at home and everything like that. But, you know, Usyk is that level of performer. And Usyk against Fury, Joshua against Fury, White against Fury, they're all great fights. And they could set up a proper good three or four years of heavyweight boxing, which will be very exciting. And whoever doesn't want that to happen, I, you know, I'm gobsmacked. Yeah. I expected the bell to go by now. The, the worst, the worst ones are the fans that take sides on TV promoters. Yeah, and, I was and definitely my... Or the fans that become accountants as if they're paying these guys with their own money yeah. and be, be um, pat guys on the back for not taking fights because we're not getting... But the money they think they should deserve it, I, I think it's all insane, to be honest. It is. I mean, as if, it's, it's as if they're making the money themselves. Oh, he shouldn't do that. For why should he? Because we, we're fans, or we want to see fights. Yeah. You, you talk about it's, it's it's down to social media again. You know, you talk about the promoters going a bit away from it. I saw people arguing yesterday on Twitter about the Zone versus Box Nation. Why? Just embrace both <laughs> what 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 both what what Box Nation did for all those years. You know, on you know how it managed to survive, and what the zone's trying to do now. Just embrace both and enjoy both. Don't put them against each other. Round two, over to you, John, and uh, that's someone in the hundred and forty pound division, I believe. Yeah, I think we should give a shout out to Jose Zapeda. Um, six and a half years since he dislocated his shoulder at the velodrome when he fought Terry Flanagan. And it, it was a bad dislocation, apparently. He, he was screaming in agony in the hospital hours later um, on his own. So a terrible situation for him to be in. Um, I spoke, And then he went through like a patch in the wilderness where he... Yeah, marking he time fights. He lost his self-belief. He was fighting no names. He, he wasn't doing well. Um, and I spoke to him in that period. And if you told me that Zapeda would have had it in him, had the self-belief and had the confidence to push Ramirez to the wire and come through that fight he had with Ivan Baranchik, which was just an incredible war, wasn't it? If you told me that he would have had it in him to get through that part of his career, get himself up off the floor to beat those calibre fighters, I, I wouldn't have believed you at the time. Um, I think he deserves a, a real pat on the back for doing this. That natural power he's always had, he's coming to a four again. He scored a fantastic knockout last weekend. And he looks like that confidence is coming back to him. And maybe, just maybe... I think he's still got a little bit of a way to go. He might become that fighter that Golden Boy were really hyping all those years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think once Taylor and Catchell sort themselves out with his unification, we might get some some belts. You know, the division could become fractured then, especially if Taylor wins. I think he'll move up. And then he's, he's got to be in the world title shake-up. You know, him versus Progray, Arnold Barbosa's unbeaten. But what, what worries me, he's 32 now. And coming up 12 years as a pro. That that's what my worry about. He's not gonna have longevity as a world he's champion. He's looking better than ever, though. Yeah. It's still a long time about mm. John. You know, don't, it's like he can win it, but I don't think he's got the longevity. No. I mean, I mean, he is, you know, is it's interesting, you know, Zapata's one of those guys who, who who who's almost been happy to actually do it the really hard way. I mean obviously that's the only kind of option he's had but you know it's almost like it's amazing a guy who lost at the velodrome you know came over here was a bit hyped 
went back. I mean, obviously the, the, the method of the defeat was, was, you know, disappointing for him, but to actually rebuild yourself and do that over so many years is, is, you know, fair play to him. I mean, you know, and the dedication and professionalism that's got to do that is remarkable, really. You know, especially in the sport these days when it's like people get written off so quickly, so quickly. And, and you know, it, it was great to see. And it's great to see. Yeah, and let's also go back to TV. It's great to see. It, it was got shown over here as well. His shoulder apparently still comes out to this day. It was that badly dislocated. You know, he'll be in the gym sparring and his shoulder will come out. So that's something else he's had to put up with and got through it. And fair play to Zapay, you know. <laughs> For someone who was hyped as a glamour boy, he's done it the hard way. Uh, round three. Well, ironically, um, it's about underrated boxers, and we've just discussed one there, Jose um, Zapata. The, the, you know, a very close loss to Ramirez, and of course, the, the loss to Terry Flanagan when we don't know what would have happened in that fight. There's an underrated boxer. But I saw a, a tweet yesterday from someone I'm not the biggest fan of, Mike Coppinger, and he was praising. Um, Zapita is one of these underrated fighters. And it got me thinking about underrated fighters who there are. And, you know, a couple of names I don't see given enough praise by the, you know, maybe the new age boxing fan that's coming along through, you know, and we all welcome these fans. I'm seeing people like Larry Holmes not getting credit from these people. Vitaly Klitschko. And I go back to, you know, you know, underrated trilogies. Like, imagine what Dennis Andrews against Jeff Harding would have been in this day and age. And, you know, I think also another great underrated fight now, Marios Brados, you know, only lost it, was it 36, 37 fights was the close one against Usyk. Just, just the underrated fight, I just think it'd be great to get them, your, your, the opinion of you guys. What do you, who you got out there, Ron, as underrated? Oh, now, now <laughs> put me on the spot. Of, of the sort of um, current crop, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I think... Um, I mean, I mean, you flip this around in a way, you know. For underrated fighters, there are overrated fighters, and they, they kind of that kind of hog the limelight, don't you? So it's always, you know, I, I did a big rant the other day on on boxing scene about um, about how meaningless pound for pound lists are. Yeah, you, you get bullied into the same kind of people as well. I remember when Spence came through, Errol Spence sort of came through, and suddenly people rating him like three or four on their pound for pound. I think why? Pot fact is American. I mean, I think you know you're looking at you know vast amounts of un underrated fighters. You know, you go to the Far East, and, and um, you know, unless you're a newie and, and you get through and uh, you make it, I, I think Murata might be an underrated fighter. I'm going to talk about him in a bit, but I, I think he's he's done really well, and um, that, that's a really interesting fight he's got coming up. I mean. I don't know, would, would Baturbiev be an underrated fighter? I think yeah, he's like the yeah. best two or three fighters in the world. And, um, you know, but he isn't spoken about like that. And incredibly exciting. But, you know, it, it's it's the way of the world, especially the way of social media. The, the power of social media forces you to sort of, oh, these are the people you should be talking about. And, and the pool becomes something very small. When in sport, especially in Britain at the moment, when we've got essentially three big broadcasters in broadcasters, it was in BT, you know, Sky, and now DAZN, the talent pool's getting spread so wide, you know, there's a lot to pick from. Over to you, Ron, for your final round. And you gave us a hint towards what you're going to be talking about. You know, one of them's in action this weekend. 
And this weekend, Canelo. Canelo talking about um, overrated fighters. And I don't think he's an overrated fighter. I think he's a fabulous <laughs> yeah. fighter. But um, at the same time, let's, you know, what gets passed over in history? Because, again, history gets rewritten. And the history of Canelo has greatly been rewritten around his uh, relationship with Gennady Golovkin. And let's not get, let's, you know, the perceived wisdom, as they like to say it these days, is, oh, the first one was close and he put it right in the second one. And now he's moved on from that. And there's no, again, there's no point having the fight because it beat him easily this time. So who wants to see that, as some people would tell you? Well, I'd, I'd want to oh, see it. Man. Let's face it, I'd want to see that. Because for, for starters, the first one was an absolute robbery. And uh, it was a terrible decision, and uh, Golovkin won clearly. The second one, I mean, I remember I think I was at the first one, I didn't go to the second one, but um, our friend Barry Jones was very strong that he thought that Golovkin uh, won. I thought it was a tight fight. I, I, I had no great problem with a, a narrow decision there, but after that, you should be looking for fight number three. And they seem to have pushed that down the line in the hope that Golovkin gets older and older and older. And when, you know, would the Caleb Plant be, fight be better next year? I mean, it's great to see titles getting unified. I always love that. But at the same time, I think he's got unfinished business with Golovkin. And, you know, Golovkin has a big fight with Morata, which is, you know, it's a tough fight. I think Morata's a good fighter in uh, where well, it looks like a couple of days before New Year's Day. And, um, but I'd still like to see that third fight. I, I, you know, Golovkin's one of my favourite fighters the last 10 years, personality-wise as well as fighting-style way. And again, a fighter who went up the hard way, you know, went through Germany, all those fights he had in Germany, everyone ran away from him. He had to do his time before he got his break. And he is owed a last fight with Canelo to put his, to put his case across in that fight. My, my only worry is that if you do do the third fight, it's going to be eight pounds too much for Golovkin yeah. and probably two years. I think Canelo just looks like a tank at 168, doesn't he? And Golovkin is a middleweight. And I I just hope that if he, if he, does, he doesn't get the third fight, he should have had two years ago, but it's at the wrong time, the wrong weight, and the times of the careers are just completely wrong. But I agree with you. I thought Golovkin won the first, the second, toss of a coin, and it was a natural trilogy, wasn't it? And we just never got it. I I don't think we're going to see it because I think if he beats Caleb Plant, I just think he'll move on. Go up to like every way you can see him fighting Bavol or someone in the first half of next year. That That's that's where I think he'll go, Canelo. Yeah. Yeah. Round five and over to you, John, for your final round. Yeah, it's not one of our uh, favourite topics, these YouTubers, but it's intrigued me that the desperation Tommy Fury showed in getting this fight with Jake Paul. I think this is a a massive lose-lose fight, this for Tommy Fury. Uh, it, it's actually a good fight on paper, and you know I'm going to give credit for Jake Paul for moving quicker, fighting more regularly, and seemingly having more ambition than a lot of these youngsters who are coming through. This is a proper fight between two young guys. I think it's a fight Tommy Fury can lose, for, uh, basing it on past performances. And can you imagine if Fury loses to a YouTuber? I, I, your, your career's done and that Fury name, I, I just think it's a, a a bit of a strange fight to take. I, I assume he's comfortably well off. The family obviously are. Um, I, it just seems a bizarre decision to make for something which could end up being an absolute nightmare for him. 
and he has to call himself Tommy Fumbles for a year. <laughs> uh, what was interesting was a LinkedIn post from uh, the lawyer who did the contract here, Stephen Heath, and he said it's the most interesting contract he's ever um, dealt with in 25 years of boxing. But you know what? I think Tommy's taking it for the money. Where else is he going to earn a million pounds in his career? Yeah. I get what you say about the lose-lose. That's the reason I, I, why I think he's taking it. He's going to earn a million. And if he wins, there'll be other some sort of novelty fights out for him. If not, he's going to be on that. How, how, what's going to have to happen in his career for him to earn that sort of money? How many hard fights and that he's unlikely to get through? What do you think, Ron? Um, I think, I, I mean... You know, I've never been sold on Tommy Fury at all. I mean, the problem is, obviously, he's got this name. And, you know, let's face it, if, if his surname wasn't Fury, would would there be any sort of, like, thought about, oh, what happens if he loses? Of, of course not. Because I, I've always been wary of the guys he's been put in with have all got a naught next to wins. Now, even Freddie Flintoff, they found a guy for him with a 2-0 record, right? If there was any ambition with that with the matchmaking, they would find someone somewhere from Latvia or wherever who had wins on their record, but they haven't. It went persistently, persistently, persistently with guys who have never won fights. And that strikes me that they're not confident that he beats anyone else. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I mean, realistically, yeah, I'll go along with you, Steve. I think where's, where else are you going to make this money? I, um, you know, it worries me that fight where he suddenly went went up a, a stone and a half for one fight because he's been doing loads of weights and that sort of thing. And yeah, obviously he's got his fans and people will turn around and say, everyone has this at the start of their career. And it's like, yes, but they don't because there's some progression normally. There's normally like, you might start off with people who are just journeymen, but he's, he's sort of gone beyond that, learn from journeymen to have just, just guys who are in the other corner for him to knock over. And... It's all built to this fight. I think the entire career has been actually built towards this fight rather than there's been a strange sideline. Yeah. Um, six and final round there. You did bring the bell there, John, didn't you? Yeah, huh? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Ron was throwing them punches after the bell <laughs> there. Um, I said super lightweight boxer tournament Saturday night um, at Liverpool. Um, basically, it's a prize fighter, isn't it? But they called it the boxer tournament. You know what? I'm quite looking, looking forward to it. Um, I don't know how well you know them, John. I think, um, Ron, I think John would have seen a lot of these guys. Got four VIP boxers in there. I think Kane Gardner of them's got the best of the chances. Also, Tom Farrell, Nathan Bennett, and Sean Masher Dodds. Uh, a lot of people tell me that Corey Gibbs, who had some very solid amateur credentials, spent some time on Team GB, is the man to beat. Well, all I know is I don't know who's good. I'm, you know got any real confidence of tipping anyone. I just know I wouldn't want to fight Ben Fields first fight up. No, Ben Fields is a right-hand full, isn't he? All, a lot of these guys have all fought each other as well, yeah. so he's previous there. But yeah, Ben Fields is a, an absolute nightmare over three rounds, isn't he? I just wonder if he, Ben Fields has got the look of a losing finalist. He'll put his all into a first two, yeah. get to a final and, and run out of gas. Um, good friends with Tom Farrell. He's been on the show, but Tom looked pretty bad last time out. Um He's got it all to prove. I just wonder if Kane Gardner might be the one, you know. Kane's got that little bit of something special. He's got a, a little bit of quality about him. Plenty of skill. Um, good amateur background. Highly thought of by people like Ant Crawler. I just wonder if it could be a bit of a coming out party for Kane Gardner. But really, pot luck on nights like this, isn't it? Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. As you see, are you a fan of prize fighters, Ronald? Do you know any? I don't you... know. I mean, I'm not... 
generally not really. I mean, it is a good chance, obviously, for people to sort of of a level because it was originally set up, wasn't it, for the idea that the winner would get a big break, and and yeah. it's good for that that sort of point of view. It, I, I found them increasingly when when price fight sort of carried on increasingly difficult to predict because essentially, again, you, you've got people who won them were the guys who, who sort of kind of fought the system. They were yeah. really good. They fiddle their way through the early rounds and, and kept their energy. So essentially, if you're if you fight flat out, you're usually finished by the by the final. I mean, it's difficult to know because some of these guys, obviously, like you got Masha Dodd in it and Tom Farrell. I mean, I remember him fighting with Commonwealth title and that sort of thing. And and but it's difficult to know what kind of form they're in because essentially, you kind of want a young, ambitious guy going upwards to go into this, and uh, that that's usually who does it. And and it's it's not usually the the sort of old guys looking for the yeah. last payday that, that pull it off. Yeah, I think it needs. I think the winner does get some sort of contract with boxers. So you you know you do need really a Kane Gardner or a Corey mm. Gibbs. I think you John Pegg's got who's unbeaten in thirteen to win it. Uh, you know, no disrespect to Tom, Nathan, or Sean, but they are on. Whilst they still got something left to offer, there are they are on that home straight of their career. Whereas Ben Fields is, is you know. One, and that he might not be on the home straight, but he's one of those guys who's not put in to win and give. And you know, he's one of those. Uh, he's a de- he's a gatekeeper, isn't he, Ben? He's beat, yeah. well, he's beat most of the guys in this. Yeah. So he's turned them all over over four rounds. So he's beat Nathan Bennett. He's beat Ken Gardner. One and so yeah. yeah. Ben Fields has got the form coming into it. But the first prize fighters were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah. You remember the first heavyweight one where everyone just took the brains out and yeah, and banged up, wasn't it, all night? But then. They started realizing that's that's not the way to do it, and well, oddly, Harrison's the king of prize fighters. Uh, and I said there was a guy who won one in Wolverhampton. I was thinking of when Ron when Ron referred to how they win it. You know, they leave a bit in it, and the guy's name has escaped me. It was a British Asian from Leeds, a tall welterweight, really nice kid as well. And his name escapes me. He won one of them in Wolverhampton, and he didn't lose a second of any round in them in the nine rounds he boxed that night and he wasn't even sweating at the end and the poor I'm, I'm so sorry embarrassed off I can't I can't recall his name I can't remember Martin Murray as well Martin Murray's big break was winning a prize fight yeah he had that great fight with um the, the, the guy from Peterborough yeah with Cello Render yeah I think we got over our three minutes there <laughs> well fellas been a pleasure having you on Ron tonight a real college of knowledge when it comes to boxing mate you, you make your points very, very nicely indeed without being forceful with it, you know, and you, and you, you, some of you listen to other opinions. You're a proper journalist, John Evans, you're a proper everything. Thanks everyone else for listening. And you've all been gentlemen tonight. You two have both been gentlemen tonight. Thanks very much, fellas. Excellent. Lovely to see you, mate. For all boxing info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro across and off, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions, also Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.